Welcome to Good Enough-ish. I'm Brooke Forey. And I'm Amanda Jefferson. We are two organization-loving friends sharing tips, strategies, real-life experiences, and fails of trying to be good enough-ish at everything we juggle in life. I own Indigo Organizing. I help busy people simplify their lives at home and at work. I co-own Curious & Company Creative, a branding design firm, and I created the Balance Bound Planner that helps you get organized and prioritize self-care. You can find us on Instagram at goodenough.ish, and you can find the show notes over at goodenoughish.com. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at goodenoughishpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 484-440-9498. So let's start the show. Let's do it. Good morning. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I gave Junie a bone this morning to, I guess she was kind of losing her mind. As she, as one does when I walk in the door. Yeah. Well, she was already super rambunctious before you got here and you just added a whole nother layer, but this bone is loud. Cool. I think everybody's used to our. Yes. If you hear just a strange gnawing gnawing in the background, that's just Junie. It's just Junie. <laughs> that sounds like a sitcom. I know. It's just, just thinking, Junie. Like just That's Jack. just Junie. Yeah. I remember. Did you watch Will and Grace? Yes. Just Jack. Yes. God, loved him. Uh, and he, he has a podcast. Yes. He's on Smartless, which I, I love. They're so, hysterical. I haven't listened to that in a while. They're, They're so good. So ridiculous. I even listen to the commercials because the commercials are hysterical. Oh, me too. Especially his, oh. um, Sean Hayes. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a goofball. Ah, Amanda, we have, so this is our first time recording together since we aired the Vulnerability Hangover episode Yes, that was all about your TEDx experience. And we have had so much wonderful feedback. Um, People totally empathized and sympathized and just felt for you for that experience that you went through. Um, We've all agreed that Kai, not Shay, but Kai, whose <laughs> God, name I can't believe I got his fine. name wrong. It's fine. We, we my may... new best friend, your new best and friend, and I got his name wrong. It's fine. You were in a moment of crisis. Kyrie understands. Um, everyone loves Kai now. We're gonna maybe plan a field trip to <laughs> White House Black Market at the Cherry Hill Mall to yes. visit him. Yeah. Um, but you wanted to add a couple more thoughts about about the whole. Yes. Thing. I, it was so lovely because so many people got like mad. They were like, they're very defensive of oh, us yeah, and protective yeah. and very defensive. But I just wanted to be super, super clear that the feedback that I received did not come from the TEDx team of amazing students that ran this this TEDx Rutgers yeah. Camden. I could not believe that that, like when I learned that the entire thing was planned by students. Oh my God. These... I was like, oh. These students were running circles around us adults. I mean, it was amazing. It was one of the most organized TEDx's that I've ever heard of. In fact, several other TEDx's are reaching out to them to get feedback on how did you do this? Like, how did you run? And this group of students, even last year, they were planning on having their first ever in-person TEDx. And then that was when the huge spike happened in December of last year. And in a week, they had to turn it all around and the university closed and they had to go virtual. So I can't say enough about how amazing this student-run TEDx team is. And I just want to be crystal clear with everybody that the feedback that I received did not come 
from that team because the last thing, the experience that I had was so amazing and I would never in a million years want anyone to think ill of that team. Yeah, because they, I mean, they built like an amazing system and hopefully they'll be able to now continue to put that on either every other year, right? Or I think every year, yeah. Every year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just we just wanted to make sure. Yes, to so give shout them out. credit where credit was due. Yes, shout out to that amazing team and yeah, we'll yeah. make sure everybody understands that. Another thing that I heard from from a few friends was about my Trader Joe's conundrums. <laughs> so the morning that um, – let's see. Episode, what episode? I feel like everybody – I mean, when I was editing that episode, I was like, Brooke's real upset. Real impassioned. So I feel yeah. like, you know, several of your friends probably reached out to be like, are you okay? <laughs> So that was episode 40. I had some rants about Trader Joe, the person (laughs) removing some of my favorite items from the shelves, received a text like first thing the morning that podcast went live from my friend Betsy in Chicago. She was like, reporting from Chicago. The mini meatballs are still in stock here. So that gave me some hope. So Brooke got on a plane to Chicago. (laughs) Then the next day I went to Trader Joe's. Not only did they have my mini meatballs back in stock, I bought two bags. Yeah. They also had Dunkers back in stock. So Nick had been told that Dunkers were discontinued. So did I take a picture of the Dunkers shelf and send it to my family at home? Yes, I did. And me? Yes, Uh and you. And then another friend the following day sent me the same picture because she didn't know if I had been there yet. And she was like, I, you know, I panicked a little bit when I heard that you were having trouble with the mini meatballs and the Dunkers. Yeah. I mean, your mental health right now is connected to the Trader Joe's supply chain. It sure is. So, yeah. So, well, that's great, Brooke. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's a real, it it was a really, uh, it was touch and go there. It really was. It, It kind of, you know, made my weekend go a little smoother having my, Mini meatballs back, my dunkers. Your dunk dunks. And Trader Joe's has also redeemed themselves with a very cute Valentine's heart wreath. You know how they have the little um, the little wool ball oh, I garland and I stuff? have that on my tree. Yes. So we bought those around Christmas time. Now they have pink, red, and white ones for Valentine's Day. And then they have a matching heart wreath. Oh. I only bought the wreath, not the garland. But is it on your – is it on your – when do we start to put up Valentine's I decorations? Put, now, did you put it up? I put it up on my front door because Paige really likes to decorate for holidays. So I figured it was going to – the question was going to be coming soon. Like, you were proactive. When are we decorating for Valentine's Day? You went Day? on offense for that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that's up. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. And um, one other kind of back to the little TEDx thing. I forgot I was going to share this. I saw some great – I saw a great uh, comment on Instagram last week. Claire Tomorrow, do you know Claire? No. She is actually, she was based in this area. She has a huge Instagram following all about body positivity. And she had posted um, an outfit that I guess some of her followers did not like. And many people commented like, this is not working for you, whatever. And one comment that stood out for me was someone who just emphasized the five-second rule for commenting on someone's appearance. Okay. If it's something they can fix in five seconds, such as your fly is down, Uh you have food in your teeth, your tag is sticking out, something like that, 
it's okay to kindly mention it. But if you can't fix it or change it in five seconds, like body shape, outfit, size, weight, haircut. Haircut, that's a good one. It is not your place to say a thing. Yes. So like, granted, yes, this is an Instagram influencer who is showing outfits to her followers and stuff, but like, are the negative comments necessary? No, I, I don't think so. What was the problem? It was with like the a outfit? cute little um, overall jumpsuit thing that was like for lounging around the house or something. But it was just, it was, I loved this comment about the five second rule. You know, we all know the five second rule, especially with kids for <laughs> if you drop food on the floor, <laughs> yep. it's fine within five seconds. But I thought this was a interesting new take on the five second rule. Like you just don't comment on someone's appearance unless it's a little something that. They clearly want a little help if their fly is down. I like that. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about right now is all the different ways that you can tell somebody that their their fly is down. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know, like they say that your barn door is open. Mm -hmm. What are the other... (laughs) You know what I mean? I think you should just say your zipper is down or your fly is down. Your fly is down, your zipper is down, barn door is open. I think there's... I want to hear from listeners because I bet that people have a lot of different ways to say that your fly is down. Like in code so that the... So other people around you don't hear it? Yeah. And I'm going to ask for not know because I bet in Spanish they have really funny ones too. Okay. Because it's really funny th- to hear the different sayings that he has for things that we have. Like for us, for example, it's like the early bird gets the worm. And in Mexico, it's something about some shrimp in the ocean and hmm. the shrimp and the wave. And <laughs> Well, and like, why do we call a zipper a fly? Your fly is down. Oh. I wonder where that... Oh. Oh. Research time. Reese, this is this is hard hitting. Yeah, journalism. We're gonna... <laughs> yes, just another disclaimer: we are not experts or journalists. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna. Can I look it up right now? Yeah. Why are Why zippers called, fly? called flies? Technically, the term fly originated from Victorian times. The opening on a tent was referred to as a fly. A fly is any flap of material attached on one side, which covers a series of buttons or zipper. That is from oh, so, Quora.com. I've never so, Brooke, I think what's happening there is you don't say your fly is down. You say your fly is open because your fly is actually the flap. The flap. It is not the zipper. But no one actually says your fly is open. You say we your, say your fly, your fly is, is down. down, but the fly, wow. Wow. Interesting. Fascinating stuff, guys. I'm sure we've gained so many (laughs) listeners from this. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, nope, I'm getting, sorry. Uh Uh-oh. I'm getting Conflicting reports. Conflicting reports. Again, this is like the top of the Google results. Yeah, God knows where we're. Who knows where these sources are coming from. Okay. The term comes from aviation. Oh, When people, oh my gosh, when people first began flying aircraft, they did not have the same advanced navigation tools and abilities to communicate with people on the ground. Okay. Therefore, people were flying by the seat of their pants. Oh, wait. Flying by the seat of their pants or flying without the ability to communicate or fully plan things out. That's the flying by the seat of your pants. That's flying by the seat of your pants. Sorry. They they confused the questions. But that's, I mean, but we're learning something there too about where does flying by the seat of your pants come from. I'm always fascinated by where things come from. But like I had never thought of that before. Like why is a zipper called a fly? It's right. just it was a it's a universal thing, but yes, I wonder if like if you had said that to Fernando when he first moved to the US, like would he have known what you were talking about? No. If you said your fly was down. No. No. No, like cuz we say stuff all the time that like to a non-English speaker, you might be like, "Well, six one half dozen the other." 
And they're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Or even me, like the Chileans are so famous for having so many like colloquialisms. And there's one that's like, they say in Spanish, like, no me estás, no me estás pescando. Like you're not, but in, that literally means you're not fishing me. <laughs> but it means like you're not paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that like, what? You're not fishing me? We're going fishing? Like, why are we talking about fishing? And it's like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And it's like, I, why would I be fishing? So it's just stupid stuff it's like that. So strange. Yeah. I know. I was watching a show. I forget what it was now, but the the character said something and something in me just thought like, what does that even mean? It's such a common expression. And now, of course, I can't think of it. But it's like when you truly think of it, you're like, why does that expression mean what it means? Because it makes no sense. This. I'm sure there is. There's a podcast about expressions I'm, I'm sure there is okay we will find it we will find it okay i want to give a little treat to our listeners okay. today which is i have this cool new thing that i'm trying out this weekend i don't love the name i came up with it for but whatever <laughs> good enough called, good enough ish it's called the get organized summit and so basically this saturday february 4th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be hopping on my computer and anybody can join from anywhere and declutter an area of their home mm -hmm. together with me. So they could be on their phone, they could be on their laptop, they could be wherever, and they could be working on their linen closet or their junk drawer or their, you know, entryway closet. And I'm just super excited about it because yeah. it's just kind of a way for you to just get something done. And can they like ask you questions? They can they ask your me accountability. Questions. Yeah. I'm going to start it off with a little pep talk. I'll have timers on. So mm -hmm. it'll be like, okay, first go 25 minutes. We'll have check-ins. People can ask me questions. It's normally $47. And I did officially close tickets on Monday, but I'm going to give our listeners a little coupon code. So you can get $5 off with code GOODENOUGH-ISH. Mm -hmm. So you guys are going to be, this episode airs on Thursday, and this is going to be Saturday the 4th. So you can always head to my Instagram to get more information, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well so that you get that link. Awesome. And it's such a good way to stay accountable because once you've paid a little bit for something, you want to show up. Yes. And they're not just going to like show up and be told to clean up their stuff. Like you're going to be available to give some insights. And um, I I might pop in. Yeah. I, I didn't ask you this yet. We do have a seven-year-old's birthday party later that day. But since this is happening earlier, I might, might pop in yeah, and get a little advice from you and um, just focus on one area for two hours. It's like yes. such a way to just – get through it. Yeah. Like I'm going to work on my taxes, like yeah. just getting all the documents together and, Oof. you know, just yeah. getting. I should actually probably do right? that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of our listeners, Liz, she is going to be working on, she's super creative. She's going to be working on all her art supplies, just like Love clearing it. out all the old paints and, you know, or she was thinking about, she's been wanting to hang a gallery wall. So I know. I might need oh, to just pop by Liz's house. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she might work on the gallery wall that Call she's been Liz. running on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so code good enough-ish. Get five bucks off. Join us on Saturday. I'd love to see you there. 
And where do they put in the code, Amanda? Is this all available on your website? Yes. And we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So if you go to my website, indigoorganizing.com, there's a banner at the top. There's a little pop-up. Um, if you go to my Instagram, which is at hey.amandaj, that's the link in profile. So it should be very easy to find. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we take a little break? Yes. Let's do we'll it. come back. Okay. Hey, listeners. Amanda here. One of the best ways to support this podcast is by leaving positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're on an iPhone, find that purple podcast app, search for Good Enough-ish, scroll down to the ratings and reviews sections to tap five stars and write your own review. You might even get a shout out on the show. Your support means so much and will help new listeners find us. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. Amanda, we're back. We're back. And wow. I'm I'm excited <laughs> for this discussion because even just preparing for our discussion, we both got a little fired up here. Yeah. So in case any of you haven't heard, um, the KonMari creator, Marie Kondo, mm-hmm. um, has recently been exposed <laughs> as someone who, now that she has three kids, is not keeping her house tidy at all times. Oh and God. so much to say. First of all, like I saw these clickbait headlines and I'm like, yeah, this isn't like groundbreaking news. She has three kids, so her life changed a little bit, but she's still a professional organizer and she still has these great methods. That changes nothing. But that would be a really boring discussion if we left it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, you have like ties to KonMari because you were trained under Marie Kondo, like actually her first class of KonMari consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've done work for the KonMari organization, but you are not today here. You are speaking as Amanda yes. human, not any representative of the KonMari organization or speaking for Marie Kondo or anything. I'm right. sharing my personal personal opinions. opinion. Yes. So like yeah, what so, you think again? Yeah, I was trained by um, Marie Kondo and her team in August of 2016. So I was one of the first gosh, certified KonMari consultants. And so, yeah, KonMari is a big part of my life and my world. And man, this I, I've probably had 15 people send me this article. Yeah. And it's so crazy because how I mean, it must be just like a slow news cycle or something because that's all anybody is talking about. It's so interesting. And I think we've we've mentioned this before, but who anyone who m- might be new to the podcast, just give us a little snippet of what KonMari is. Yes. Yes. And then we'll talk a little bit about what specifically she said. Right. And then I really want you to read out some of these clickbait oh head- headlines because the they're headlines. hysterical. They're hysterical. And then even like the first sentence or two or s- of some of these pieces, it's like they're counting on people not reading any further. And then you actually read and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds reasonable. Yeah. But continue. Yeah, so the KonMari method, so Marie Kondo is a Japanese decluttering guru and um, basically had a very thriving business in Japan for many years. And then she decided to write a book that ultimately got translated um, and came over to the United States, I think in about 2014, called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And, the book took the world by storm, millions of copies sold, and essentially it's um, choosing what sparks joy, mm-hmm. letting go of what doesn't spark joy in your home, and it's going category by category. So there's five KonMari categories, clothing, books, paper, kimono, 
and sentimental. And the idea is that you go in that order and you're kind of strengthening your spark joy muscles as you go. Mm-hmm. When you read the book, there's actually really two parts to it. There's one, which is the major decluttering, life-changing event. And then the second one is, I feel like more what she's talking about right now, which is the tidying up, yeah, the daily maintenance mm-hmm. of that. And so what she came out saying, and it's funny because what she the actual sentence that she said was i've kind of given up on that and in the context of what she was talking about she was talking about i have three young kids mm-hmm. i have given up on the perfectionism of daily tidying and having my home look perfect mm-hmm. but luckily for her and luckily for so many other people that i've worked with and that she's taught she has this amazing foundation of already having a home that only has things in it that are useful to her and spark joy for her. Right. So when she says she's she's not saying, oh, that entire method that I created, it's all junk. It, like it doesn't mean anything. I was wrong. She's not backtracking on the whole spark joy um, no. theory. Yeah. She's just basically saying I cannot get my home back to the way that I used to on a daily basis because I have three young children. Mm -hmm. I had one client say once something that I thought was hysterical, which was like trying to keep the house tidy with young kids is like trying to brush your teeth while eating Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. You know what I mean? And I think that's what she's saying. Like it's ludicrous to try to brush teeth while you're eating Oreos. Yeah. So that's basically all she was saying, Brooke. Right. And so take that, what she said, and share with me, please, some of these clickbait headlines. Right. And then we're going to share maybe some of the reactions that it's like, um, did you read it at all? <laughs> anyway, so I just searched for Marie Kondo on Google and, you know, basically all of the articles that came up at the top, I kind of went through. And it's funny how the different news organizations or whatever you want to call some of these websites that are not newsy like I don't know what Jezebel would be considered. Um, But first of all, CNN, um, Marie Kondo is focusing on what's important, and that means letting the tidying slide. I felt like that was a reasonable headline. Reasonable. Um, Let's see. Um, The Guardian, Queen of Clean, Marie Kondo says she has kind of given up on tidying at home. Jezebel. Marie, this was my favorite. This Marie my Kondo favorite. gives up on tidying, prompting Twitter to to devolve into mess. <laughs> and then I'd like to read you the first two sent the first paragraph. Uh-huh. This um this podcast is now where we just read things from the internet <laughs> to you, but I hope nobody minds. So again, remember this is a clickbait title, which I, I don't totally blame people for. Like I get it as a business owner. Like sometimes you have yeah, you to gotta make it juicy. You got to make it juicy. But so that was the juicy clickbait title. Then it says, have you heard the news? Marie Kondo is a total slob now and is in, is vindictively laughing all the way to the bank with the money you foolishly spent on her organize, organization empire. It's either that or Kondo, who recently had her third child, has naturally shifted her position on neatness and is instead sparking joy by spending time with her kiddos. I'm leaning toward the latter, but that may be irrelevant because a bash last si- back. Sorry, I can't talk today. Because a bash last. <laughs> bash last. Nope. <laughs> because a backlash cycle has formed online, 
destroying everything in its wake. Take cover. So I love that, you know, the author kind of cheekily says, oh, just kidding, it's the second one. But we all know that people don't actually read the articles. Yeah. They just read the headlines. So I was like, as soon as I saw this circulating and I saw people posting on social media like, I feel vindicated. Marie Kondo can't even keep her house clean. And I'm like, well, no, she's just saying that her idea of perfection and tidiness has changed oh, once yeah. she has three kids. But like, I still use a lot of the strategies you taught me yes. and Marie taught me in her Which show. Which I taught you while you had young kids. Yeah. And I married my home when I had young a young kid. Right. And like, I have figured out, like you taught me the foundation and there's no KonMari police coming to check up on me. Like it Nobody is literally- forced you to do that. No, it's just what can work for me, what doesn't work for me. Like the whole- folding my socks. I was like, yeah, Amanda, that's not going to happen. And so I stopped doing that. But like, it's just, it's a whole, I don't know, it just drives me bananas because people react when they haven't actually considered the words that she actually said. Correct. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I am a KonMari consultant and I have a podcast that is called Good Enoughish. Yes. And, <laughs> and you have piles and <laughs> I mean, your house is always lovely, but, but it's not, it's not perfect. No. And I love that. And, I, you know, I do a lot of work within the KonMari company and they love that I have a podcast called Good Enoughish. And we even joke like in the, like, we'll talk about whatever and be like, good enoughish, good enoughish. That was always something that we were taught, you know, this isn't this one size fits all, like you must do it this way. It's all about meeting people where they are and what season they're in. I mean, I used to, I think maybe before I had this podcast, I used to stress about my home not being perfect because I thought that I'm a professional organizer, my house has to be, but I'm not a professional perfect person. No. And neither is Marie Kondo. And like my basement right now is a mess and I don't care. And even you as a KonMari organizer, the KonMari police aren't even coming to your house. No. no. <laughs> it, it's funny because sometimes, you know, this whole movement is all about like her whole idea is about living a spark joy life. Yeah. Not having a perfect home. And so it's all about clearing out all of this clutter that's just weighing you down so that you can live a more spark joy life. That basement right now being a mess is not preventing me from living a spark joy life. None of that stuff down there is things that I need or that are interfering with my daily life. And that is fine. Yeah. That is good enough-ish. And if it starts to impact your ability to get anything done or impact your level of anxiety, then you can take care of it and you know the strategies for doing so. Like I said, there's the two pieces of it too. There's that sort of massive decluttering. Like I can't imagine a single one of my clients calling me up and being like, Amanda, I'm really missing those 12 bags of Goodwill clothes that we got rid of. Or gosh, all that paperwork that was in my office. Like <laughs> I now that so much. I wish it would all come back. You know what I mean? Like that process is huge and it's transformative. Right. And it allows you to let things slide on the tidying because you don't have all this junk circulating around. Right. Yeah. Like I've found, so 
my in-laws came over on Saturday. It was kind of like a last-minute change of plans. We were maybe going to go there, and then we decided at the last minute they came to us. And so we had about a two-hour window from when we said, why don't you guys come to our house, until they arrived. And in those two hours, did we all clean a little bit? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But was our house already in good enough shape because we have good systems and we don't— A good baseline. Right. We're not drowning in clutter. Yes. By the end of the two hours, I had, you know, dusted and cleaned the floors a bit and put some clutter away and showered. And it was it was totally doable. So I've never take I don't know, people just take things so literally. And and also while Marie Kondo has built this incredible empire, the most that I've ever physically bought from her is her book. Correct. And I watched Same for her me. Sh- Right. And I watched her show <laughs> on Netflix. Spent thousands of dollars on this. Right. And people do pay people like you to help them organize. But like, I, I'm, I'm not like bitter that I gave her all this money and she's quote unquote backtracking on anything because she's yeah. not. But I'm just, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing, how it blew up. I, I just don't get it. I know. It's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. There's like this, you know, that book, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know. Something, it just spiraled. Yeah. But um, it's it's so fascinating because I, I, one of the things that I love about the KonMari method too is that it's very much a use what you have method. I mean, when we first started, she didn't have, you know, the products at the container store and she didn't have the online store that she has now, which literally I've never purchased a single thing from her online store. And that is totally fine. I have clients that we have done their entire house top to bottom and have not purchased a single thing. In fact, they were about to do, you know, a $30,000 renovation of their kitchen. And after decluttering, they realized they have like two empty drawers. And didn't even need to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I think the whole thing is not just a lesson in no one's forcing this on you. She's putting it out there as a method that has worked for her and has worked for some other people. And she's sharing it. Take it or leave it. Do what you want. Be your own person. Yeah. It's funny. Even in Chile. My Chilean friends. It's like the cover of the newspaper in like Chile. And it's crazy because it does not feel like a slow news cycle right now in exactly. any sense of the world. But I guess we all just needed this kind of puff piece. People <laughs> needed a little break. I guess so. Yeah. Or they just need someone to blame for their problems in Marie Kondo. <laughs> I know. So it seemed like a good target at the moment. Yeah. I want to read an excerpt from another article that I really liked, which was an opinion piece in the Washington Post, which I may be able to share in the show notes for people to read. I'm not sure. I'll see if it's behind a paywall. Okay. But it's called We Could All Learn from Marie Kondo's Untidy Pivot by Tracy Moore. And I'm going to read a long section here just because I feel like it really speaks to a lot of things I want to talk about. So here she says, After my mother died in 2016, my sisters and I stood dumbfounded at her decades worth of clutter bulging from every closet and shelf. Working weekends and coordinating dumpster runs, it took us more than a year to clean out. Sure, there were sentimental photographs from childhood we wanted to keep, but there were computer manuals from the late 90s, numerous old hard drives, piles of fabric scraps, gardening tools, blah, blah, blah. You'll like this one, um, Brooke. A freezer full of food from 2012. Gotta freeze it. And even the bulk of her own deceased mother's estate. Never unboxed plates, skillets, and more fabric scraps. So she goes on to say, and I want to talk about this because this book is so great. 
And first, let me just circle back to say this is something that I hear from my clients all the time is cleaning out loved ones homes yeah. and people with young children and full time jobs. I mean, that are cleaning out the states. It's huge. So she goes on. The Swedes have a solution for this. They call it. I don't know how to pronounce this, dostangning or death cleaning, which is a way of taking responsibility for your mess before shuffling off this mortal coil. Author Margareta Magnussen framed Kondo's questions of joy another way. Will anyone I know be happier if I save this? Mm. Unsurprisingly, Americans found that idea far too sad, morbid, and weird to entertain. So I just want to stop there for a second because this woman, Margareta Magnussen, which I'm probably definitely butchering, she wrote this book called, um, I think it's The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Mm. (laughs) She's really funny. The book is really funny. It's such a quick read. You could read it in an afternoon. But she says she's somewhere between 80 and 100. And she talks about having to do several cleanups like that herself and not wanting to burden people with her stuff. And so she really does reframe it. And we had my mom read that book when she was getting doing major downsizing and having to get rid of – I mean, she had, like, my dad's parents and grandparents stuff. Um, And she read it, and I think hearing from another peer – yeah. Like, it's okay, you know, it was really, really helpful. Yeah. It made me think a little bit back to um, my grandmother died uh, right before Nick and I got married in 2008. And she had already, you know, uh, had to sell their larger home after my grandfather was ill. And then they moved to an apartment. And then she moved to a smaller apartment by herself. So she had very few belongings at that point. So really, the family wasn't burdened too much. Yeah. Um, but the things that were in her apartment that were her treasures, yeah. you know, before she died, like she knew that she was ill and she was 92. So she knew it was coming. And she had little stickers <laughs> that she had us, she wrote our names on and she had us pick out what we wanted. And some of the most treasured items in my home now yeah, are see. these marble end tables that I built my whole living room around. Like, I needed a couch oh. that looked nice. I don't know if you've ever noticed them. Well, now I will. Now you will. And a big mirror in our dining room that weighs like a gazillion pounds. So we have anchors in the wall. But like, I know that mirror. Uh, you know that mirror. And it's very special to me. And I'm I'm grateful to her. Well, and granted, I was, you know, a granddaughter. I wouldn't necessarily have been the one cleaning out a lot of her stuff. But the idea that she did thoughtfully oh, yeah. um, approach her things as like, if people want these, claim them. Right. If you don't, then, you know, when her kids were ready to clean things out, they knew like things that didn't need to be held on to. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's much deeper reasons. And no, parents in our 30s and 40s aren't necessarily thinking about like, well, if something happens to me tomorrow, what is happening to all this stuff of mine? But sometimes I do look at my things and I'm like, why am I saving this? Why do I think or why did I think this sparked joy enough to put it in a drawer when it's really just taking up space? And if something were to happen to me, I'm leaving it to my loved ones to figure out or to dispose of. Yeah, um, I want to read another passage out of this book that, or out of this um, article that really gets to that point. But first, I want to share my grandmother, my dad's mom, was so funny. She would write these little notes on things, and it would say something like, 
I would like this doll to go to Amanda. But then she would write, but I'll be dead, so I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> That's amazing. She was like, whatever. I'll be dead. Well, I will say that the sticker with my name on it in my grandmother's handwriting, Nana, we called her, um, is still on the bottom of one of the marble tables. So I get That's a little teary just like. thinking about it. And every time I clean it and like, yeah, so... Yeah, so this article goes on to say, Kondo was right, Magnuson too. We might not be as spiritual a people as some, but Americans rewrote the book on possessions. We collect stuff with an alarming speed in spectacular quantities, and we have an almost spiritual or at least irrationally devoted relationship to it. It is not too much to say that our stuff occupies a place in our home somewhere between family and pets. We just don't like being asked to think too hard about why. And then she wraps up with saying what's resonant, or I'll wrap up by reading, what's resonant about Kondo's latest revelation is that she's reprioritizing her tidy first mantra in favor of time with her children, which means she's willing to continue examining her relationship to things too. She's just trying to make it work like the rest of us. Right? Boom. Boom. Mic drop Mike moment. drop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel like there's some reasonable people out there. Yeah. And, so. Yeah. You and I both just read a book. So I started listening really to it, to this. and uh -huh. then my library loan expired, <laughs> so I have to re-up that. But I've been wanting to read this book for years, however long ago it came out. Um, but I follow Casey Davis on – it's the letters Casey yes. Davis on Instagram. Her handle is Struggle Care. She has a podcast called Struggle Care, and the book is called How to Keep House While Drowning. Yes. So you did read it. So I did. Tell me. You got a little further into it than I did. Yeah, I did. I think I also got it at the library, and I had to, like, rush because it was about to be digitally returned. Anyway, um, yeah, her book I love because it's very much speaking to people that are likely in this season that Marie Kondo is in right now. Really young kids or possibly caring for someone else or have a long-term illness or something where you're just drowning. But you do, do still have to keep house. You can't just let everything go to hell, you know? Um, and so I really appreciated that she really foregoes, asks people to for, forego that sort of aesthetic, you know, like just put baskets in every room or put all the dirty dishes in a um, like a bin and like throw a towel over it until you can get to it later in the afternoon, right? Just giving yourself a lot of the great, a lot of grace. I have taken some of that to heart because, like I've mentioned a million times, I think I probably have ADHD because everything that I try for people with ADHD always works for me. <laughs> but one of the things that she talks about in that book is having baskets everywhere, laundry basket. And so I actually put a laundry basket kind of shoved one in this tight little corner in our bathroom because it was always – I was always experiencing a lot of friction with like where to put our towels. Mm -hmm. I like for our towels to be separated from the main laundry because I like to do a towels load. Samesies. Right? Mm -hmm. So you separate them too? I do because okay. I wash them on hot and – So you have a different basket for towels. I do. Uh -huh. Yeah, I have a divider in our basement that has four, like I have four different types of laundry. So where are the towel? How do they get down to the basement? Are they? Yeah, sorry. So they get put in a regular hamper. Okay. And then when I go downstairs to put stuff from the hampers in the actual washing machine, I pull out the towels and I put them in okay, the so towel you're bin. Okay. Yeah. And then once the towel bin sort, you know, sorted bin is full-ish, mm -hmm. then I wash a whole load of towels. Yeah. We have enough towels 
on standby that like I can wait until it's full. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I was doing a system like that, but I'm liking going upstream a little bit more and having a towels exclusive laundry basket in the um, bathroom because Mm -hmm. also I've started using Brooke, those like reusable cotton rounds Mm -hmm. and I like being able to just use it and toss it right in the little towel bin and then they're not everywhere. And so all of that is to say that I gave up on sort of what might have been more aesthetically pleasing for more function. And so it is sort of that idea of function over form. And that's, you know, when you're in a season like that, when you're busy crazy like Marie Kondo is or like this woman that wrote the book about while drowning, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all about like figuring out how you're going to make your days go more smoothly. And that usually does not involve like rainbow um, organized pantries. No. Mm-hmm. Which it's fine if that's your thing, but I I don't know anyone who can maintain that mm-hmm. <laughs> very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and in terms of aesthetics, like I'm not a minimalist. Like I love a gallery wall. I love tchotchkes when they do spark joy. And but I've never felt like anyone, quote unquote, anyone was, they were telling me I couldn't have those things. It's just like, what purpose is this serving? Is it creating more anxiety or clutter? And if it is, then figuring out how to manage it in a way that feels joyful to me. Correct. Me, because it's my house. Correct. Yeah. Yes. It's all about what sparks joy. Like, it's not like, oh, this is what a house that that sparks joy looks like. It's no. so individual. Yeah. Like, a house that sparks joy, you could walk into it and it could actually feel cluttered to you. Yeah. But it's because all this artwork and all these books and all of these trip memories, like, spark joy for that person. I think this is such an interesting conversation and it's a good one to just kind of keep going. And, and I love – I never read that the book, the Swedish one that it's I'm going to botch the title. But you've mentioned it for years now, so I should read it. Yeah. It's a good little afternoon read. It's so short. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Ugh. All righty. Okay. Let's take a little matcha break. Let's take a break. <laughs> okay. You're listening to the Good Enough-ish podcast with Amanda Jefferson and Brooke Forey. Visit goodenoughish.com for show notes with information from each episode, as well as links to all the places where you can find us on the internet. Now back to the show. We are back. We're back. Oh, nope. <laughs> Just cut that. <laughs> cut that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to cut that, bro. Okay. All right. We're back. <laughs> and Amanda, what's sparking joy for you? You wouldn't tell me. I like when we kind of hide details from each other yeah. about these because we have a little document where we write about, like, we organize our show. Yeah, that we s- but sometimes little... you don't share like the details. Yeah, because we want the the banter to be live, off the cuff, off the cuff mm-hmm. as it's happening. So I wanted to share this tool for money management mm. that is called Simplify by Quicken, okay. and it's Simplify with an I at the end, not a Y. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes, this little service costs about either five ninety nine a month if you pay monthly, or I think either two or three ninety nine if you do the annual plan that it works out to. Amanda loves a subscription. I love a good little subscription. <laughs> so 
I have used Quicken, like the desktop software, for years. And it's for your business. For no, or personal. for personal. Okay. So it's basically kind of like balancing your checkbook online mm. where you can see the money in, the money out. You can, I even have loved it because it I, it gives me like a calendar where you can see cash flow issues. So like, oh, we get paid on the first and then the mortgage is due on the 15th and ooh, like things are going to dip a little bit. Anyway. 14th is a rough day. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not for you. I'm just saying in general. In general. <laughs> right. So, um, but Quicken itself, that desktop software is a little complicated. Okay. So I like this new web service that they have that is called Simplify because you can put in and it will automatically upload all of your transactions. You can take a look at them and see, um, you know, check all the charges. You can even click a little box that says reviewed. You can categorize them and you can track things like, how much did I spend at Starbucks last month? Or how much are we spending on groceries? You can set up a budget. You can set up a watch list. It'll even show you the cash flow of when things are going to start to get low. I was talking about this to a client the other day, and the feature that totally sold her on it was refund tracker. Mm. So you can click a little transaction and actually say, I'm expecting a refund for this. And when the refund comes in, it'll match it. And it'll say, you got your refund. You're liking that feature. I do like that because I... You know, if I return something from Amazon and I, like, take it to Kohl's or the UPS store, a lot of times then it's out of sight, out of mind. And I don't always remember to check the credit card statement. Or a lot of times with Amazon, it, like, it credits my account, which I don't know if Simplify would probably not be able to track that. But yeah. But just, um, yeah, that sounds – Yeah, so I like it because if you are if you don't get the refund, then it'll keep reminding you. You yeah. haven't gotten this refund that you said. I also really like the check boxes with the reviewed because I do handle the finances in my um, – in the house. But sometimes it'll be this, like, really weird description of, like, what is this charge? And so I can leave it unchecked and then talk with Fernando and be like, what is this? And he'll be like, oh, that's the cover for the camper or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I can add a little note and put it as reviewed. But yeah, we're trying to, you know, tighten our belts a little bit. And man, what we are spending at the grocery store, what we are spending on restaurants, like even just stuff like when we renewed our zoo membership and then we got a Franklin Institute membership and all that. We're like, ooh, ow. It adds up. Look at all that. Had you ever used mint.com or anything like that? Because I used to use mint and I, I still have an account because they're always telling me like, you got to update this. And I'm like, ugh, I just have to go in and either cancel it or update it. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I've never been good at having a set budget or having a really good handle (laughs) on things. I mean, we use our credit card for the bulk of things. And so I I give the credit card statement a quick glance and usually make sure everything looks legit and – you know, but I'm I'm not super good about like really categorizing expenses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I like software, you know, I like the tech. So I do like being on top of it. And um, I have used Mint before. I think I was looking this time. I was a lot of times the budgeting features, like they don't work for my brain. Yeah. They don't make sense. Well, that's why I'm wondering if I need to look at this Simplify because you and I have the similar needs. Again, neither of us have been diagnosed with ADHD, but a lot of ADHD things work for me. So maybe this is something that if it works well for your brain and how you're looking at the finances. Yeah, because it has like the budgeting side. It'll say like, okay, 
this is how much. So this was your income. And then you'll put in uh, what I like about it is that you put in all your recurring bills. Mm -hmm. They have a bill section and then they have a subscription section. Mm -hmm. And I like that because it's kind of like the bills are like, you know, your water, your mortgage. But then subscriptions is stuff that's more, you know, wiggle room, right? Like the audibles and the and our Panera monthly coffee that I signed up. They're going to tell me to get rid of some streaming services. (laughs) I know we have all the streaming services. Yeah, the streaming services. If I truly took a look at all of our subscriptions, I'm sure it would be a startling reality check. So maybe I'll look into Simplify. Yeah. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And I was looking to see if I had some sort of coupon code or anything for it, but I don't. So, yes. (laughs) All right. I forgive you. All right. What are you doing to do your future self a favor, Brooke? So this was a tip that my mom, Fran, had taught me. Fran's tips. We all – Fran of freezer fame. (laughs) Um, You know, this was a tip that, like, I don't even know when she taught me, but I've realized there's so many people in the world who don't know this tip. Mm. So listen, you're going to need to look at your own car's manual – But, Amanda, did you know that when your windshield is fogged up, Mm. you don't just hit the defrost button and the temperature controls, but you also need to hit the AC button for it to defog your windows. Now, are you putting it on cold or hot, the temperature? Um... Depending on the season? It depends on the outdoor temperature that you're trying to match to, okay. to defog. This is not <laughs> this is not scientific, and I might need to look that up. But whatever your strategy is for defogging, if you get sure frustrated because it's not working, button. it will work once you hit the AC button. Okay. And I shared this years ago with an old wedding blogger friend um, on – like she had – posted something on Instagram that this was like a source of frustration for her. And I was like, just hit the AC button. And she was like, oh my God, I never knew this. It totally worked. Ugh, so good. So that's just my little do your future self a favor is to remember this tip the next time you get in the car and the windows are fogged up and you're frustrated because you can't drive away yet. Just press all the buttons, not all the buttons. Press all the buttons. Press the defog, Blast. whatever, defrost and AC or whatever, like, you know, the temperature control that you need to hit and then hit that AC function button. Um, yes. Or, yes. Yeah. I took my mom's car in for service at the Honda dealership the other day and they were instructing me to clean the inside of her windshield with with actual Windex, not some natural okay. glass cleaner. And they said do a really, really, really wet pass and then a couple of dry passes because they did. They do say that the inside of your windshield gets a lot of those little tiny particles oh, yeah. and it can get really bogged like up, that film which it. reminds me they told me to do that and I have not done that. Well, and that's not even necessarily fog. That's like a filmy, like dirty. Right. I actually started using, and I will we'll link to it in the show notes, um, my friend Amanda from Love and Renovations uh, on Instagram, and she has a blog. She had shared these microfiber cloths mm-hmm. and then this second cloth that you use to wipe afterwards. So you use a damp microfiber oh. cloth 
to wipe the inside of your windshield or any glass because okay. I was so sick of streaks and fingerprints and things like that. So I now use this strategy on my mirrors, on my um, front windows because we have a lot of windows in the front of our house. And I used it on the inside of my car and it worked really well uh, because I don't – I hate Is it a special microfiber cloth that you purchased? Probably not. But okay. it's the second cloth that comes with it that like polishes it. Mm -hmm. So you use a damp microfiber cloth to wipe it okay. clean and just with water. And then you use this second cloth that's like a different fabric that kind of polishes it and gets rid of the streaks because I hate the smell of Windex. Oh. And so when you do it in your car, then your car smells it's like intense. Windex. So this is another – strategy perhaps i'm gonna get this little item i find um it very satisfying to yeah. wipe oh, sure. glass surfaces yeah well and my windshield when it's filthy like it's when i'm in the middle of driving on a highway that i notice it and you don't always have the opportunity to clean it so making it like so i started keeping the at least the microfiber cloth in my um what's that what's that thing called glove compartment thank you which brooke why is it called a glove compartment? Because, because people used, used to drive to with gloves. gloves, but why do we still call it a glove compartment? Because we don't put gloves in there. One last random note is that in Chile, it's quite convenient because there is a whole informal economy that pops up at stoplights mm -hmm. of people doing things for you when you're at a stoplight, like performing, juggling, gymnastics. One of the services that is provided is windshield washing. This we come upon this a lot in Baltimore when we go to visit my brother. Yeah, people always and, want to clean our windshields when we're leaving. We get them. What we we're like, yep. Yeah, but I need the up. inside. I know, clean. and you so don't want to necessarily like, invite take that. <laughs> be like, I'll get person. out at this stoplight. You just get in the driver's yeah, seat. But I do. My it is a nice service. Yeah, I miss that a bit. Maybe I need to go to Baltimore <laughs> to get my. There you go. Yeah. Or you could just clean your own windows. Or <laughs> I could. Yeah, but they've got the whole squeegee thing. They do. They've got tools. They have that at the gas station too, Amanda. But then that's a DIY situation. You don't want to do it. I do. I'm just saying it's really nice to be in a stoplight. You'd like to have it taken care of and yeah. just give someone a couple bucks. Yeah. yeah. I think in Jersey they do this, you know, because in Jersey you can't, pump, can't your pump your own gas. And so I think sometimes they will do the windshield service too for a little tip -a -roo. I feel so uncomfortable letting someone else pump the gas to my car. I know. It's... I just like – it's so funny. One of my best friends from college, she lived in yes, New Jersey same. her whole life and – when we went to they don't know how to pump gas University of Jersey. Delaware, like I feel like I had to teach her how to pump. Like she didn't know what to do, yeah, and felt really uncomfortable having to get out of the car. And I was like, "What do you mean? Like I feel uncomfortable having someone pump my gas while I just sit there in the driver's seat." Yeah, you feel like a like, kind of kind of like a diva. Yeah, yeah, I know it creates jobs and it's great, but I just I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, yeah. So let me know if that. Uh, defogging tip works. Try it, everybody. Because I didn't do a ton of research. <laughs> but Sample Fran... size one, two, three. Sample size of three. Yes. Fran said it works. I'm going to so... try it. Okay. All right. And um, another little plug for our show notes where we always put all of these exciting products. Exciting. We are starting to get a little bit better about having some affiliate links so you can support the podcast. Yes. And don't forget that we have a Facebook group for our listeners. Ooh. Am I currently the only one who starts conversations? <laughs> yes. You? I And I start good ones. And people do comment. You kind of threw me under the bus the other day. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you said Amanda's trying to make the wah a thing. 
We both say the wah brook. You started we, it. I started it, but you say it too. It's and fine. I think you're trying to make it a thing too. It's I, not just me. I kind of had to throw you under the bus to see if you were even reading. She Facebook was with page. her like other Delco friends. Like, oh yeah, Amanda's trying to make this the wah. And they were like, uh, and I was like, no. <laughs> Well, they had, already, they had already thrown you under the bus about the Uggs. I anyway, know. there's some intense, hilarious conversations going on over there, but I don't want to be the only one to start. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So join the group. Join the group. Start join. some convo. And the password, because you have to say who is the mascot of the yes. podcast, which is Junie. We you all can know smell, it's Junie. You can spell it yeah. however you want. It's really just, you know, to keep out like the spammers who are going to try to come into the group and try to sell us their stuff. So um, come on in. Join, um, just search for Good Enough-ish with Amanda Jefferson and Brooke Forey and use that little password and we'll let you in. Yes. And I just, I just want some other people. Yeah, I know. You're lonely I'm, in there. I'm lonely. And it's fine because I know that it's like, who's going to be the first to start a conversation? If you're the first one, maybe we'll mention you on an upcoming Ooh, episode. please. Yes. Please do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing is, if you guys want to come on Saturday to join me, declutter some area of your home for two hours you get five bucks off with code good enoughish yep check the show notes for that link as well okay okay bye bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of good enoughish we will be back each week with new topics stories tips and personal experiences as well as some good old friendly banter and lots of laughter don't forget to find us on Instagram at goodenough.ish. Email us at goodenoughishpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 484-440-9498 with questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye.